Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Hockey Hurts Podcast. This is July 1st, 2014. Happy Canada Day. And if it's Canada Day, it's NHL free agency. And it kicked off today. And this was a unique trade deadline, or I'm sorry, UFA day, because they had that negotiating period where the teams could kind of talk to the players beforehand. And the action today, I think, it, it pancaked everything into a very short time period. So it was very exciting today. But um, obviously we're going to be talking everything and anything under the sun about the uh, signings that happened today. Um, I'm your host, Ryan Wilson. and we I'm have- Cameron Walsh. And, uh, well, where do we start? Um, I say we start with Dallas. Yes, they were the first big move. They were. I think um, Jim Neal's done a great job with with that hockey club since he's taken over. Um, The fact that he he got Spezza and then managed to get Spezza's ex-line mate, Hemsky, over there as well. Um, It's just set up beautifully for a team that was a playoff team this past season. So it looks great. They did such a great job. They, what they traded to get Spezza, it's, it, it wasn't quality over quantity. I'll say that they didn't. I don't think they gave up much at all. Hemsky, holy cow, three years, four million a year. That's yeah, you get deal. there and you look at that. You get there and you look at that and you think, surely there would have been other teams that could have come up with that that number so I have a feeling he, he felt pretty good going to play with Spezza once that trade was made so brilliant for, from Neil in, in that sense as well you know got a teammate that, that Hemsky I thought clicked with quite nicely and I think that might have helped getting him to, to go to Dallas and you know what Dallas is showing signs of doing some of the things that the Kings do and what I mean by that is the Kings trade for players that have all that nonsense attached to them those silly narratives uh carter richards they party too much well we don't care they're good hockey players send them our way gabrick too injury prone fragile streaky you know what let's bring them on over here anyways and when they when you put good players on good teams and the whole team's not reliant on that specific player it's a great situation because if a great player goes cold and there's no support he looks like he choked when in fact that's just not how it works yeah, that support they've got around each other is going to be um, going to be really good down there in Dallas. It's um, it's nice to see the turnaround. And and the examples for Dallas are Alesh Hemsky, injury prone, blah blah blah. Tyler Sagan last year, party boy. Bruins don't want any part of him. Fine, we'll take a number one center. They they're just collecting high end talent and they're doing it by whatever means necessary and and they're going to and- reap the benefits because of it. And managing to get high-end talent in UFA with contracts that aren't overblown. You know, that Hemsky contract is a good contract. It's pretty great. Mm. Who, who have Dallas got in net? Are they still running with Lettinen? Yeah, and he's average, so that's fine. Yeah, that's all you want. I actually think he can be above average. He just has to get healthy. But As long as he's not average, below average, and I don't think he is. That, that should be fine. Um, so that's looking quite good um, over there in Dallas. You certainly can't complain with, with how that went. 
Um, let's move on from Dallas. We'll go and we'll take a look at St. Louis. That was a that was a big boy move today. It was. That's pretty piss poor from Colorado, but and, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. They did not. <laughs> yeah. Today. Um, no. Stasny. I think yes, you see seven million, but when you talk about the contracts that uh, players are getting in the new CBA, where you can't hide the cap hits, seven million. I mean, everybody was complaining about Chris Letang's seven million dollar, seven point two five million dollar contract the last year, right? Look yeah. at some of the defensive signings today. Is it really looking all that bad? No, this new CBA um, works really well for the players, which is perfectly fine by me. But um, some of these teams have, have lobbed out big contracts for players that you sort of sit there and think, oh, I don't know about that. Whereas Stastny, I think, will thrive in in St. Louis with the players you'll have around him. Not that he was playing with poor players in Colorado by any stretch. Underrated player, yep, honestly. Because totally um, Colorado's been down a bit when he's been playing well, and now they're finally turning the corner. Um, I think on a really good team, you're going to see that he'll be able to prop up that second line where the Blues have kind of struggled to slot somebody behind backies. So I... Um, and that takes the load off. That takes the load off, like you were saying before. If you surround good players with good players, then when things do go a little bit pear-shaped... Somebody will pick player, it up. Correct. That's what happened That's in L.A. So I mean, it usually happens with Chicago. Um, like last year, Taves went, scored two goals in 20 playoff games, but Patrick Kane's blowing up hat-tricks in like game sixes. So if it wasn't, if it wasn't, if it's not one, it's the other or Hosa's doing something amazing on any given night. Sharp. I mean, yeah. when you're the only guy and you go cold, it has a bad look for you. But realistically, all these players have those small or medium stretches where they go cold, and it, the timing yeah. is what it is. You, it's random for the most part. Obviously, better players at, don't go cold as often, but they go. No, that's right. And if you look at that comment you made earlier about Streaky Gabrick, all you want him to do is just be streaky hot when it comes to playoff time. You know, the rest of the year, you sort of you know that that team's going to do well. So it's why when you've got depth on your team, everyone helps cover for each other. So some of these teams that have um, created some depth in their roster and some of these teams that have lost it, I think we're going to see a substantial change in where they sit in the standings come come playoff time. Yeah, what an exciting day. I think a lot of teams' fortunes changed drastically today. And not that the rosters are set. We still got plenty of time for, for all sorts of different moves. But today is a huge day in creating the foundation. And it's, it's fun just seeing what teams strategies are on a day like today and, and what they try to accomplish. Because yeah. I get there and I, we discussed Buffalo before we started up. I think they did you know, really well with some of the players. They managed to get into a situation that everyone thinks is, for winning, say, toxic situation. But like you said, they may have done too well and might win more games than, you know, some of the fans would want them to to actually have a chance at at getting the old um, Connor McDavid pick. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out for Buffalo. They are not going to be 
a complete dumpster fire like they were last year. They're not going to be a good team. I'm not saying that, but they're not going to be 30th in the league in possession again, I don't think. But the the whole Connor McDavid thing has got to be a little bit frustrating for them with the draft lottery at most giving them 25% chance. If they make no changes, the changes that they're kind of talking about may drop that yeah. to 18%. I mean, you're chasing a pipe dream there. Yeah. Even if you are the worst, which I'm not so sure they are anymore. The thing they would lose most by not finishing in dead last would be getting uh, Jack Eichel, who I think, as I've said before, he's, he's probably a number one guy this year. So if the Sabres or whatever team finish last, they're guaranteed to at least get him, which is a great thing too. So I think the Sabres may have mm. cost themselves Eichel. Oh, well, it is what it is. And like you said, we're not going to know until you sort of hit Christmas. I mean, the players and, they uh, signed, they're not great, but they're NHL middle-of-the-road players. Matt Molson's he's a good top-six winger. Mazaros, eh, whatever. I mean, Didn't Gionta go back? Well, I was saving him for last. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, they got Josh Georges, which when I do actually think Georges being traded there kind of nudged Gianta even a little bit more. Well, I think that happened with the Hemsky deal as well, so I think that's quite clever. Um, well, Brian Gianta is obviously from Rochester, New York. That's where I'm recording this podcast from. Uh, Buffalo Sabres, hometown guy coming back. I actually think it's... a a perfect time for something like that to happen. He's got a Stanley Cup. He just was the captain of the Montreal Canadiens for the last number of years. A great honor for him. And if I was a betting man, he's going to be the captain of the Buffalo Sabres next year. And, you know, he can help out a team like this and and not have to play on a contender at this point in time in his career if it meant playing at home, which I think it's the buzz around town is, is fun. People are pretty excited that uh, the local guy's home. Well, he can wrap up his career in Buffalo and not have to do anything about shifting his family or anything along those lines. They're home. So I don't know though. The funny thing is if he lives in Rochester, I think his commute to work will actually be longer playing for the hometown team than it was in Montreal. Yeah, because we're Whoops. we're like fifty five miles away. So if he's basing out of Rochester at his home home, <laughs> he might have a longer commute to work. Silly, silly boy. Um, yeah, the Buffalo situation's an interesting one. Um, I love the oh, GM. Love him. Yeah, no, you were very happy draft day. <laughs> he's he's good. He's gonna do well for them. Uh, all right, so who else do we want to have a look at? Um, I actually think there were there were two teams that were winners, I think, from doing nothing. And I think San Jose and Philly were winners. San Jose had the opportunity to, you know, trade out some some talent and then bring in some other talent just for the sake of having to change well, I'm not a bit of the, so the sure narrative of who that. they are. They may still well, make some trades. <laughs> That they probably the should be making. Yeah, but I think Philly's a big winner today. I think the fact that um, 
Hextel didn't go out and, and do anything crazy and, and sat back, obviously tried to shop around with Caviar to try and create some space. But I think the fact that he couldn't do that sort of held them out of the crazy stuff, which is good. Sort of. Just because I don't the think Flyers really that did, far off. Just because the Flyers didn't make it their big splash signing July 1st doesn't mean they made a foolish signing in recent memory. Andy McDonald cost them a crack at Erhoff today, I do believe. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's so, a contract that's going to come back to bottom on the ass. Uh, that signing took them right out of uh, the potential of signing a player that nobody knew was going to be there. Something that can fall on your lap. Yeah, so, But true. you're right. They didn't make any of the classic, oh, my God, what are the Flyers up to again moves today. So does that does that give you the, the feeling that those crazy-ass moves were Holmgren signings or it's just that Hextel said, Schneider, you've got to back off and let me do this my way? Because usually everyone says that, you know, the Philly owner is the one that, you know, gets there goes, right, we have to make a splash. We have to be on the front page of the papers. Didn't happen this time. This time. Yes, this time. They're, they're not dead making the splashes. They'll never be. Not with Ed no, Snyder no, in the team. I don't know. That's perfectly fine. Uh, let's see. What other winners do we want to cover off? I think Tampa Bay did quite well. Yeah, that's true. They... um. They got Anton Strawman. Uh, they re-signed Callahan, which I, I do think is a bad contract. But it's not in the short term, and we're in the short term right now, so they might as well ride high with it, right? Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. I mean, if you buy a Lamborghini or a Ferrari and you can't afford it, but it's still sitting in your garage, well, damn it, you better drive it. Correct. So that's kind of the situation they're in. Um, Tampa also got Brian Boyle, and they traded for Jason Garrison. So, Strawman, Garrison, going to help their defense out a lot. Um, Callahan, obviously, he's he's a fringe top six guy. He'll probably play second-line minutes at worst. He's very good third-line player right now. And Jason Garrison's got a bomb from the point. Him and Stamkos can exchange one-timer passes. Yeah, that's going to be unfortunate for those uh, sitting in front of the puck. <laughs> yeah, those guys can wire it. So, so that's what have we covered off? One, two, three, four, five. So we've had six winners so far. So there've been some teams that have done that have done quite well. Not quite thirty percent of the league, but you know there have been some teams that have done quite well. There's one we we haven't covered off yet. So it's not it's not like teams went stupid. Too much, unless we get some. Did we got some we're going to be talking about? <laughs> yes. Well, what can you do there? Um, all right. So, do we want to? We want to move on to the Penguins. Yes, they are a winner today. Actually, hang, hang on. What What do you think about the Islanders? Um, I think they should take Rob Scuderius. What I think. They won't. <laughs> no, that's. I don't think that anybody should. I think that's the Penguins' best chance to, to part ways with that problem. Uh, the Islanders. 
I like their goaltending situation a hell of a lot better. That's going to really help so, them out. Halak and yeah. uh, Chad Johnson, a Boston Bruins backup goalie. The last three have been Rask, Hudobin, and Johnson. Pretty good. So even if he stays in a backup role and Halak plays, you know, average to above Majority average like is. he does, yep. uh, that that is not the, the dumpster fire that has been in the Islanders' nets. So I like that a lot for them. And then you, you sort of got there, got to get there and remember that they technically have a UFA signing coming back in anyway because um, Tavares comes back from knee injury as well. So there's that to look forward to next year for the Islanders too. They didn't have any other real moves though, did they? No, it's just one of those things where I, I thought that solidifying of the back end for them was extremely important and they managed to do that, which is great. The goaltending. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, sorry. Well, here's well, from what I here's something that they could do that would be very interesting and I think would make them a pretty good team. Combo package: Grabowski, Kuhlman. You reckon it's likely? I'm not reckoning in, it's likely. I, I'm saying there's two guys that. Probably wouldn't mind playing with one another again. And if you throw them both enough cash, which, by the way, the Islanders, not the Buffalo Sabres, still need to reach the cap floor. It's definitely possible. You're exactly right. Give Kuhlman four mil. Give Grabowski his five for five. Boom. The Islanders. Sorry, Buffalo. You're not getting a lottery pick from them. Yeah, of course. Right or wrong? I mean, that would make them no, I, pretty... You're, you're exactly... It makes them very deep again all of a sudden, which, you know, for some of these teams that are trying to, Think of... to come up and, and be consistent playoff teams, depth is the big thing now that you need to try and generate. And that would, that would make them really make good. Make them really good. Tavares, Oposo, Grabowski, Kuhlman, Grabner. Um, I'm probably missing a few in there, too, that are the good back players. Not they got some sneaky... Either. Sneaky Franz Nielsen's not bad. No. no uh, their back end's not great. <laughs> I don't think it's terrible. Wisniewski, but... Hamannick, Karkner, Straight, Hickey. So there's nothing there that blows you away, and, and all I have to do is be average. And uh, they showed the year before I think they can be. That's what they need Scuderi for. Nah. <laughs> what to help out to help out a division rival? Not likely. Right, do you want to talk about that division rival? Yes. They. Uh, do you think they did great? Do you could could you consider them being the biggest winner of the day? Nah, I don't want to say who's biggest biggest winner because I don't think you can do that. But from just common sense and what the Penguins need. They did well, and they did it cheap. All right, so everyone that was flipping out about Rutherford, seems as though the little um, community group they've got there running the shows worked it out okay so far today. Yeah. Um, the hiring process was not smooth. And no, but these it, guys didn't do the hiring process. 
No, I'm saying just the hiring process of the GM for Pittsburgh and the head coach, it didn't go smooth. They're, they were a punchline for how they handled the process. However, Definitely. the end results are all that really matter. And quite frankly, based on some of the decisions they made today, which show me they're paying attention to at least a few of the right things. And I I like where they're going. Erhoff's the big one. Yeah. That made me feel good. What, because you kept calling it? <laughs> <laughs> I do no, think good. I was I the mean, first one beating that drum. You were beating it on the on the, the proviso that Martin was being shipped or shopped, I should say. So um, half of that thought process of yours is is there. So and it'll be interesting. I, I think that they will be looking to move him. And it's not because he's not good, because that's false. He's, he's their best, quite frankly. But if he's going to test the market, you just lost Niskanen for nothing. Um, hypothetically, if you traded Niskanen at the deadline, you probably would have got something really, really nice. Obviously, because somebody just paid him $40 million. You can't play yeah. that song and dance again with Martin. You can't continue to lose good players that you know are leaving and not get assets back for him. Don't fall in love with it if you're going to lose it for free. Just you got to reclaim at least some of it. Christian Erhoff signing provides them the perfect opportunity to get something for him but not affect the present product. Now, the issue you've got here is that teams know that someone has to get shipped out of that back six now. Would they try and lowball an offer and would Rutherford just go, we've just got to get him out anyway and just give him something that Pittsburgh fans might consider to be not enough for Martin? Well, I do have my thoughts on that. Fire away. Um, Detroit, bad job today. They were in on every major defenseman, at least trying to some extent. They were in on Niskanen. They were in on Dan Boyle. They were in on Christian Erhoff. They went 0 for 3. And they have also um, kind of checked in with the Penguins about Paul Martin's availability already to this point. So, seeing as though they struck out on the free agency front, they've already shown a little bit of interest in Paul Martin. I would listen to their interest, and I would ask for Thomas Tatar, their RFA. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Any idea why you think Detroit struck out three times? Yeah. Why do you think they did? Why do you think all those guys they were courting, they just didn't give enough money? I think with Erhoff, they were actually offering him multiple years. So I don't think it was a lack of effort with him. Dan Boyle, um, you could argue they may have struck out with him because I saw some reported offers that the Red Wings were putting up just as much money as the Rangers. So he clearly chose the Rangers on that one. And then um, who's the other one? Niskanen? Uh, Niski, yeah. Um yeah, they they probably weren't willing to pony up the the five point seven five million a year, but that's probably because they're a smart organization and understand <laughs> that 
that you know what yeah he would help right now but in forget it we'll we'll figure it out another way i think that other way could be a paul martin trade yeah well that that would work for for pittsburgh on a on a few levels and it would obviously work for for detroit on a, on a few levels as well so um that's one of those trades where you go it, it's a it's a win-win because pittsburgh have actually managed to fill some of the gap that martin will leave i so. i think tatar is worth more than Martin, considering his age and him being an RFA as opposed to a pending UFA. But you'd be picking on Detroit kind of being in a little bit of a desperate situation, is what I would gather with that. Ken Holland doesn't seem to be the sort of person to panic in those situations either, so that would be interesting to see how that plays out. Paul Martin's the perfect kind of guy he would target, I would think he plays Correct, like a yeah. poor, he's a poor man's nick lidstrom in a lot of ways he's he's cerebral so it certainly fits the way that babcock likes to play and, and certainly fits the type of players that holland likes to get in his game. i think he would kick ass in detroit i think he'd kick ass anywhere but i think detroit plays the way that totally maximizes the cerebral effects of paul martin's on ice decision making yeah so that was a big move. Airhoff spun the wheels for all of this by signing. Taking the one year, taking the one year deal is really handy for him because if he absolutely guns it, he can. I think he'll have fifty points a, this year. That's going to garner him a nice big contract the year after. He has an absolute bomb from the point. The last time the Penguins had a bomb from the point was Sergey Gonchar, and he was pumping out sixty-seven point seasons. Well, it seems like it could be a good thing to get Latang off the power play because he can't hit the net. Airhoff, I know a lot of Sabre fans, and I watch the games, they complain about Airhoff missing the net a lot, and he does. But that has more to do with the Buffalo Sabres power play, treating the puck like a live grenade. Not, yeah. op- not opening up, it's not crisp moving, so the PK guys don't leave their lanes. So Airhoff's always shooting around guys. You get what I'm saying? Rather than, yeah, rather than shooting into them. It's got to go around. Well, he tries to go around because he doesn't want it blocked, and that's the right thing to do. But it's also not on net. Now, if you move the puck around like Crosby and Malkin and those guys can, you're going to get open looks, and he's just going to hammer it. So yeah, you've, got a, you've got a superstar that doesn't mind uh, getting the dirty goals and yeah, Hornquist in front with Airhoff throwing bombs. That's pretty good. And the Penguins managed to fill out some depth in the, the bottom six, which was which was nice for a Penguins fan. Yeah, they did a great job with that. And and it was all on the cheap today. So I don't think they spent much money at all. Well, they couldn't really afford to, could they? No, but they got good players. Uh, yeah. Even they've still got the RFA's to sign, so that'll be interesting. Oh, a Sutter in that. I'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, yep, I got my thoughts about him as well. Gotch, one point two million. He takes a five hundred thousand dollar hit to stay with them, and I do think it has a lot to to do with um, signing Airhoff and and Grice. Oh, both German. Yeah. They're three Germans, so that's got to be cool for them. 
Gotch, great. He gives them options. He's going to play fourth line center. He's not a fourth line center. He's a really good defensive third line center. He's not a third line center you're going to get offense from. You might get 30 points out of him if you're lucky. Mostly you're probably going to get 20, 21 points. But you're not going to get scored on. At least not a lot. And you don't have to hide him. He can handle it. He can handle it. He did it in Florida. (laughs) Good point. And he did it well. And he's played for the Sharks and the Predators. Those are playoff teams that he contributed positively to. Um, Blake Como, he's another kind of statsy signing today. Maybe uh, the Penguins were looking at his possession numbers, which have been pretty good. He was 53% last year for Columbus, playing in a shutdown role. So I, I always love that when you get teams that play against each other in the playoffs and then someone from one of those teams swaps over to the other one. Um, I always find that amusing. And he um, he's always been a 50% possession guy or right there. Last year he jumped to 53. His goals for the last two years have um, not been very good. The, the other teams score a lot more when he's on the ice than he does scoring on the other team. But... In his argument, he was playing on some uh, lottery teams with the Flames and the Islanders. When he got to Columbus, his goals for spiked up. Yep. So I think that's pretty good. Uh, Grice. You want to talk about Grice? I think it's a great sign. Um, I, I do too. Um, I liked the comment made as well. By Rutherford, and you obviously take anything he says at the moment with a grain of salt. But the fact that he got there and said throwing Grice in gives us a chance to to get um some competition going in net. Didn't say who he was competing with. Um, I think Penguins fans can have a pretty good guess at who he should be competing against. Um, so I like it. He's as you like to say, all you need is average in net. And I think he can give you that. Okay, so I'm looking at a graph I posted in my blog at Hockey Buzz today. And it's got the save percentages of him and Flurry side by side, along with the, the league average. Bryce has been at or above league average in four of or three of the four seasons he's played. The only year that he was below league average, he was still at around 918 league averages, 921 to 923 on any given year. Pretty good. Now, I have to preface that. I mean, it's been in a backup role. But it's been in a backup role in San Jose and Phoenix. And there is a a Phoenix spike in goaltender even strength save percentage. You saw it with (laughs) Briskalov. Flyers got all in with it and, uh, you know, paid the wrong guy grice saw that spike this year his even strength save percentage was 939 yeah i'm looking at the graph right now it's a substantial jump with the arizona influence there but his lows are not low you can see flurry started really bad in the shortened season which is a shorter sample size of 2012-13 played well Played well above league average, and this year he's back below league average again. All for so five mil. 
if you run with that theory, he'll be above league average next season. <laughs> Which is what you want. And guess what? He only costs $1 million. All the questions I keep getting. Well, if you get rid of Flurry, how are you going to replace him? I don't know. He's league average. If he's league average, that means there are tons of replacements. Thomas Grice, statistical proof for $1 million. Yes, he hasn't been a starter yet, but he does have a large four-year sample size of being above average, all for $1 million for I think one year. One and if he sucks, that... you get rid of him. It's one of the things that I think people struggle with is that Eiffler has got a $5 million ticket, but he's not giving you $5 million worth of goalie. So you get there and go, oh. what's comparable to what, he's, to what he's giving us? And you go, average goalie. Let's go and pay Here's... for an average goalie, and that'll be fine. Here's my favorite, favorite point that's brought up to me, and it's irrelevant. Flurry's the 14th-ranked goaltender for salary cap hit at $5 million. He gets a league average salary cap hit. And my answer to that is, I don't care. The only thing <laughs> that matters are their cheaper options giving you the same. The answer is yes to that question. I don't care if he's being paid league average and he's hovering around league average. I want to get production as cheap as I can. I don't care what he ranks on the salary. Can I get a cheaper option? If the answer is yes, then what the hell are you waiting for? Just tell you what, you'd be a hard ass in negotiations. Jeez. Well, am I wrong? No, I didn't say you were wrong. Just saying you'd be a hard ass. But, oh, my God, he, he ranks 14th in cap hit. Who gives a shit? Honestly. No, you're right. Hey, look, I'm on board. You know that. I don't like it, but you know I'm on board. James Reimer can't do it. Blah, blah, blah. His stats are above that league average each and every year that he's been the quasi-backup for Toronto. Well, why is Toronto getting rid of him? I don't know. Do they make a lot of good decisions? No. Answer's no. Probably chances are you're getting a good player. There. Is there anything? Is there anything else we need to cover off on the Penguins? Um, did you have questions? Uh, we basically answered both of them. To be perfectly honest, we had a question from uh, Jay Tarbot on Twitter that asked where do we think Martin might go and what the possible return would be. We covered that one off. And we also had a question from Dante3346, and he was asking about what do they do with Gok, Sutter, and Spalling? Does Sutter get moved? Now, you said you had a theory on Sutter. That's the one thing we haven't covered off. Oh. Um, Marcel Gotch? Signed yeah, you said you had a theory on Sutter. Correct. This is where Gotch comes into play. I did not think they were going to keep him. But yep. they are. And that's great news because I think he can handle a third-line role. And I think for the Penguins, you can't fall in love with average bottom six players. And I think it's fair to say Sutter is an average bottom six player. Yep. Don't fall in love with those players. Be willing to move them. Um, He wants to make three mil plus this next year. See ya. We'll pay 1.2 to Gotch. We'll go find our money for another top six winger. You can fill bottoms and sign Brian Gibbons. Put Spallman or Spalling? Spalling, right? Yeah, Spalling. Nick Spalling? (laughs) Yeah. 
you can tell what I think about that part of the trade. As long as you don't start calling him Spalding, we're all good. All right, so Spalding can jump down to fourth line center at that point in time, correct? Correct. You find another top six winger, whether it's Verbata, whether it's a trade for Tatar, and you now get to kind of play around a little bit and have Dupuy and Bennett on a third-line role with Gotch, which isn't too bad, um, unless I'm leaving somebody out. Uh, you haven't mentioned Como, but you've, we've got him tagged it was a fourth line. No, we did Como. He'll be on the fourth line. And I'd have yeah. Brian Gibbons on that line, too. Forget Craig Adams. He's junk. <laughs> All right, so that, that makes perfect sense. It'll be interesting to see whether Rutherford, you know, has the same opinion of Sutter. Or when do you package Sutter forward. and Martin together? And try and go for a larger haul. Or try to go for a larger piece of the pie. Certainly Martin possibly. is as good as Hornquist is a forward. He's as good, at least, as a defenseman, correct? Yeah. Brandon Sutter... Average third liner, but he's probably better than Nick Spalling, correct? You're not going to hear me argue that. They just got James Neal. So why can't the Penguins package together two more competent players and, and get another top six winger that way? Just food for that thought. Was, it certainly makes sense in regards to shuffling the cap around and, and trying to get people in cheap. So yeah, yeah and I can see how that would work. Gibbons on the fourth line at under a mill, it's a steal. I think there are a few people that look at Gibbons and go, oh, he couldn't play with Crosby, he wasn't up to it. And no like, kidding, it's not, not supposed to, it's not supposed to be, you know. Third line's at the ceiling that you want him to be played at, really. I want him on the fourth really line good, and penalty killing. That's really, really all I want. Yeah. And if really you get into insane player. injury trouble, yes. He can certainly spot duty with the best of them. You just don't want him there for a while. No, that's right. So. Do we want to go and cover off on the losers? Yes. <laughs> Who do you want to start with? I want to start with Washington. I <laughs> mean, the Washington Penguins. Yeah. Bad, bad stuff. That's a large chunk of change they've thrown into two players that are statistically terrible. Well, no. One. Matt Niskanen is not statistically terrible. He's statistically actually very good. With some risk. Well, it depends on in what role they play him in, and that's probably what I mean. Terrible. No, but he, yeah, his but... numbers are good. You just have to kind of... And that's when people misuse stats sometimes. Oh, his numbers are great, great. Okay, well, let's think about what role did he play. Um, yeah. How high was his PDO, which, as we've covered, top 10 in the league, <laughs> which isn't good because it regresses. Yeah. It's good in the now. It's just knowing that you're not going to sustain it moving forward, which kind of sucks. That's also, like you said, the role he played in. What do you have, the fifth toughest minutes? Uh, last year for the Penguins, yes. He played the fifth toughest minutes amongst defensemen. The problem I have with that number is obviously you're going to play him in the, your top four. You want to have at least fourth toughest or above. But he was, like, 
you got to think about the Penguins' injury situation last year. They were all hurt. So he was playing big minutes, yet they still hit him. They they trusted like the backups with bigger roles than him, as far as like a shutdown role is concerned. Well, they trusted a nineteen-year-old with big minutes. No, but that's what I'm saying. Even with all yeah. the injuries, he still yeah. was the fifth toughest for competition. That's what I mean. They they went to a rookie before him. Yeah, um, but. It's going to sound like I'm really knocking him as a player, and that's not true. I'm knocking the value of the contract. Um, he's an okay defenseman. He's probably going to be average most years to above average. But that's he's just got paid above what he's going to deliver. He that, got paid higher than Duncan Keith. <laughs> yeah, and, and I suppose that's the that's the thing. Sometimes you know we can get there and, and get on players and stuff like that, but in this situation, really, we're we're getting on the management for paying them as much as they are, and then obviously, the team's expectation of what that player can deliver is going to be set upon the contract. You know what I mean? They're going to expect, you know, at least top four minutes out of him, if not, you know, top three, top two. So you get there and go. You look at what he did previously in Pittsburgh. He was never asked to provide those minutes for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So. If he's allowed to be in a number four, number five role, you might get the value out of him that you need in regards to what he can deliver. But, in, in, but until you can't you, pay a guy that to have that, that role. Correct. That's that's exactly right. So that And that's where the, the contract becomes awkward for Washington. It's not as awkward as the other one they signed for the other Pittsburgh defender that they signed on. Oh, man, I was um, waiting all day long for the Dave Bolin contract and the Brooks Orpik contract, and neither one of them disappointed me and in fact they got the same five-year 27.5 million dollar deal that's great yeah i just um, wanted it to be in toronto for bowling though that would have been too perfect i'm actually surprised um, florida um boy that was a terrible move dave bowling's an average (laughs) he's an average bottom six player to above average on some years and that's the kind of player you cannot fall in love with he got paid substantially higher than that yeah, good for him. Don't get me wrong. But... And that, that is one of the things that you've got to preface when we say all these things. You, you're sort of looking at it from the perspective of the teams and the cap hits that it requires. You can't be unhappy for the play. You can't be, yeah, you can't be unhappy for the players in regards to what they've got here. You know, that's fantastic for Bolin, Niskanen, Orpik. Um, you look at Derek England as well, the contract that Calgary signed him for. Um we were saying before that some people will think Statsy was overpaid, but that's money in the bank for these guys, which is fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but, well, you know, day like today, um, during the lockout for, for Hockey Hurts, I wrote a, a lot of CBA articles, and I had a very pro-owner stance. And... A lot of people did not agree with me on it, and that's fine. But you have to understand leverage. The players never had leverage because the longer the owners hold people out, the less money they get. That's time they'll never get back. And athletes only have a finite time to cash in on their skill. Most, I think, isn't the average career like four years or something like that. You can't lose a year to a labor squabble. And basically to my bigger point I'm making, 
the players were stupid to hold out or not to come to a deal. 50-50 with the owners and players. Boom, done. Guess what? You're all still getting just absolutely paid today. <laughs> so what? why'd you fight that? Yeah, it's a good point. Just play and get paid. These owners can't help themselves. No, and plus the you, your agents and stuff managed to find um, nice little loopholes. Um, there'll be holes in this CBA that they'll work out and players will get a lot more money than the way this, the salary structure was set up and, and then the players really shouldn't complain. I don't think they are anymore. Um, but I we didn't really get into Warpick yet, have we? No, I think we both think that it's a ridiculous contract. Though. I think everyone no, I'm, really that saw the signing. It's brutal. That is a brutal contract. He's 34. I think that contract's worse than the Skidari one. So they're expecting Warpick to play the physical style that he plays through until Which has been unsuccessful, by the way. He has not done well in a shutdown role. The year the no, Penguins won the but... Cup, he was not in the shutdown pairing. He was with Gonchar, and they were getting favorable zone starts, obviously, because Sergei Gonchar is great Sergei offensive Gonchar. defenseman, especially when he was firing on all cylinders with the Penguins during those Cup runs. As soon as Gonchar left and Orpik had to play a shutdown defense role, he tanked. He never did well. He He's very physical, don't get me wrong. He battles hard, but the results um, in his numbers are, are not there. They've never been there in that role. So Two, This is the, the one, I, and this runs into the one of the reasons why I think it's a bad contract. Two of those years where he wasn't great, he had sports hernia surgeries both those years, um, and he never got... He didn't recover well from one of them. It might have been the second one. Um, and he was just, he was a half a step slow the, the whole year. The next year, he came into camp fresh, which was this particular season. And before he got KO'd by Thornton, I thought Orpik was actually playing his best year since, the, the, since he was playing with Goncho, if you know what I mean. I thought he was playing really, really well. Uh, he came back a shattered player after that after that incident with Thornton, he was never the same. Um, but the, the thing about that, though, is that it wasn't like he was scared. He just wasn't the same player. He, he wasn't as fast as he was at the start of the year. Um, his decision-making got worse, which was sort of hard to believe. So that's, it looks as though the, the Orpik signing and the Niskanen signing are a Todd Ridden signing. That's sort of how it feels. So I think the Caps could be regretting this, I think, as early as the next season coming along. I don't disagree, but how about that, Todd Reardon? You may have screwed yeah. the Capitals over pretty good. Thank you very much. <laughs> he, he may be the reason they made two bad value signings today, one being a train wreck from the start. They'll get good years out of Niskanen, don't get me wrong, but... Or pick 34. How many of these defensemen are we seeing bought out, traded, nobody wants a piece of them anymore? Commissarek, Doug Murray, um, Volchenkov just got bought out. Uh, this style of D-man, it's a 
20 you're in your 20s when you're going to be effective and then you're just not so then those players have to learn how to play a different style of game and by the time you get to 30 no you need puck skill to do you need puck skill you can do it christian airhoff's going to play for a long i want the penguins to give him five years five mil a year how old's airhoff now what's that how old is Christian Erhoff now? 31. 31. So you'd want to sign him to 37 no, because next year would be the five-year deal. No reservations at all. Okay. He does not play a physical game. What he does well is going to continue to be something he does well for a long time. You know yep, what I'm saying? Well, Gonchar's still going. Is he? Well, he was. I hope he is. I, I like he... him. He did play last year in Dallas, didn't he? I thought so. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like, he can still contribute, and it's because, like you said, he plays with his brain, not with his body. Dan Boyle just got paid today. Actually, that's the best example. So, the, I, I I agree from both sides of the Airhoff thing. It's very smart for the Penguins not to totally go all in right off the bat, I guess, if they don't have to. For Airhoff, he knows he's going to a great situation. Anything he did in Buffalo looks bad, even though he was one of their best players. He goes to the Penguins, plays <laughs> the same exact way, and he looks great. Oh, wow, look how much better he got. No, he's playing the same way. He's got better help. And he's going to get 50 points this year. And I think if the Penguins come five years, five mil, he'll he'll stay there if he's having a good time. And Makes sense. I think that's a worthwhile commitment, and he's going to maintain the proper level of play that you'd like to see. So, that ain't happening with Orpik. No, 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 no. That's that's exactly right. Well, you you mentioned you mentioned the Rangers. Yeah, they, they lost us from all those that worked that that walked. You know what I'm gonna say about the Rangers? They were a really good team last year. They had great underlying numbers, possession. They got the best goalie in the world. I almost think Glenn Sather put together that team by accident based on who they've lost today. And I'm not so sure he had a great possession team on purpose. Did he, did he have a lot of those people signed the year before when Tortorella was the coach? It didn't feel to me like there was a lot of turnover at the end of last year for the Rangers, and it, it might just be that Tortorella is not known for that as well. I just think Sather made some no, 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 dumpster what I mean is diving the change of coach. The change of coach this year is what what turned things around for some oh. of these players. Like I, I think a few of these players are going to have to give two percent of their contract to um, Alain Vigneault, and so when you say that the Rangers fell into it by accident. Um, yes, this team was put together under a totally different coaching style. And then when these guys got to play a certain way, they did become a great possession team. I mean, it's tough because Benoit Pouliot, that's four mil a year is a lot. The Oilers are in a perfect spot to where they can do that. So I don't begrudge him for that. I think he's, he's played well wherever he's gone. But yeah. you, you also lose 
And I know Brad Richards did not play well in the playoffs. He he got bumped to the fourth line. I'm very aware of that. But he still put up 55, 60 points for them. But they, I, I understand they did have to buy him out. But they still lose him. Anton Strawman. Yeah. Losing yeah, him, I am going to be very interested to see Mark Stahl next year. Yeah, you were adamant that he was making Stahl, not Stahl was making Strawman. Correct. I, I strongly believe that. And I don't think Strawman's a, a superstar player by any stretch, but I think he's going to do quite well in Tampa. I think Tampa's got a good thing going right now. Who would you pair him with? Off the top of your head, if you can think of who they've got in their back six. <laughs> Okay, you got Hedman. Yeah. You've got, well, obviously, Strawman. You've got Jason well, Carson, of, Eric Brewer, Matthias Oland, Matt, Matt Carl. You could match him up. I reckon you'd match him up with Brewer. Because Strawman can move the puck. Brewer won't have to do I may put him with Hedman. Yeah. I think you put anyone with Hedman, they improve. Put, put Carl and Garrison <laughs> together. And then Brewer, Oland on the, the bottom there. Oland's injured, though, isn't he? Oh, yeah, you may be right. That's going to be the biggest problem, is actually getting that man on the ice. That's a big loss for, for Tampa. I know that because he's on the um, long-term injury list, he, he provides them with cap space. But you get more value out of him on the ice than you know, collecting his cap space. Do we have any other teams? Uh, do you want to do the C's, Colorado and Calgary? Yeah, we got to do Calgary because I, <laughs> I have a funny story about probably my favorite tweet of the day was the Derek Engelin contract. And the initial contract was, uh, let's see here. How is it reported? What's his final number on this? 8.7 mil. Okay, so Bob Bob McKenzie tweets out three years, 8.7 mil. And I'm thinking, or the way he tweeted it, it seemed like 8.7 mil, or no, the 2.9 mil. Correct. You thought it was three years, 2.9 million. He said three years, 2.9 million. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, that's a crappy deal, <laughs> paying him almost a million dollars. Like, I thought that was a bad deal. It turns out that's per year, 2.9 mil. Yeah, it's um, great for England, considering how hard he had to work to get to where he was, and it's great to see him get paid. And Yeah, 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 we gave the, the players credit life. already today. <laughs> this contract is insane. <laughs> yes, He's- it is. He is a fringe bottom pairing defenseman who happened to play fourth line and score a few goals. Under 10, I believe, by the way. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Truculence indeed, Brian Burke. Oh, I forgot Burke's there. Jesus. (laughs) That explains it a little better for me. Truculence, baby. Yeah, but they well, actually make a good signing in in Jonas Hiller, I think. Yeah, I agree. And Mason Raymond for three mil, they're not in cap trouble, so he's a 
really effective player as well. So they they do two good things and man, what a I want to be a fly on the wall in that boardroom where they all just smack their hands down on the table and say, "Great job, gentlemen." It's going to be three years, $8.7 million for Derek Englund. Great job, everyone. Um, <laughs> How do a group of people come to that decision? Do, do you get the tr- trying to rationalize it a little bit? In three years' time, he's off the books. Oh, when right. in theory, they're in, in, No, well, got to get there and try and look at it from the other side of the coin. In three years' time, they're not going to need him on their roster. They don't I just get there, there th- right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, all right. I'm trying, but I'm losing. So that's fine. Well, it's a valiant effort, but I mean, <laughs> I think Derek Englund makes more than the, the entire Penguins' fourth line right now. That sounds criminal when you say it out loud like that. Well, that's that's the truth. All right, moving on from Mr. Truculence, Colorado. Oh man. They gave away their two best possession players today for free. Or not for free, sorry. Stasny for free. Um, Parento, not free. Uh, hello, is, am I missing something with P.A. Parento that, you know, bombed out and depleted Danny Briere is better than him? Am I missing something? Um, do they have an internal cap or an internal cap structure in regards to where they consider players can fit in regards to uh, contract bans and if players are asking outside of that they just they don't because the Ryan O'Reilly thing is baffling me so it's it's one of those things where Sherman seems to be playing hardball and losing out Breer's making four mil um Parento makes four mil so where's what are we doing here reputation i know parento has more term on it but you lost stasny today you're not you're not hurting for money you 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 were gonna spend six and a half mil on him again he he took seven in st louis so yeah the, the avalanche last year were paper tigers that's what they were um they were not as good on the ice as their record indicated. They were a terrible possession team, and Varlamov was playing out of his ass all year long, all the way to a Vesna trophy. You can goalies when they're at that level can can prop you up. Um, and and Colorado does have high end talent that are able to to win some games even when they're not playing well. But you've taken two of their better guys at driving the play forward. And Briere, okay, let's say he has an average year. Great. You still don't have Stasny. So this is a problem to me. I think one of their biggest weaknesses, even if they kept Stasny, was their ability from their defense to move the puck forward. Well, I always thought Matt Niskanen was going to sign in Colorado. He didn't. I thought Colorado would be in on Christian Erhoff or Dan Boyle or any of this, and they weren't. So, so do you do you think the turnaround they've had this year 
It ain't um, happening. Has no, no, has hidden some of the flaws in the team, and they haven't looked deep enough in regards to what they were getting and what they need from certain roles that they may slip out of the playoffs. I think they're definitely missing the playoffs. Yeah, that's the feeling I got. I got too looking at looking at what walked and and what came what came back into the team. It's just it's a bit. Uh, they got so, some awesome players, but it's not enough. And they're also in the West. The Marshall well, that's area the thing. in the West is so much smaller than in the East. That's the thing. Are well, which division are they in? Do you know by chance? Are they with the Blues and the and the Blackhawks who got Brad Richards yeah, for two million and they took Stasny from them? And yeah, they're in the Central. Dallas? Are they in the Central? So this is this is the thing. Yeah, Dallas is in the, this is the thing. They won the division last year. That's great. They ain't doing it again. No, no, and that's that's what I'm saying. They could go from a 112 point team to missing the playoffs, which would be like a anywhere from a 20 to a 25 point drop off. You know, so that's a stack of that's a stack of wins they may just lose. I mentioned that Grabowski Kuhlman thing for the Islanders, but if the Jets were to do that and stop playing. Pavlik, they're not a bad team either. That's not going to happen. You know they've stuck with Pavlik. Wow. They've, they've, flurried, they've flurried themselves in that situation. <laughs> Jesus Christ with that. <laughs> you know what? Name me a player that was not bought out that you just scratch your head more than Pavlik. Such an important part of the team that you recently invest in, and all the numbers there are telling you, "Holy cow, why are you doing this?" And you just you you get out of jail free card, and you don't even use it. No, that's that's right. It's you sort of get there, think to yourself, "Whose wife has he got pictures of that he's using to hold him to ransom?" It just doesn't seem it doesn't seem quite right. I think it'd be hilarious if. Kuhlman, Grabowski, and Reimer all end up in the Jets, and they do really well. You like that sort of stuff, don't you? <laughs> I love it, because Toronto gets rid of their good players and brings in crap. It's awesome. In fact, today, Toronto, obviously, Josh George's, they were hot and heavy on. Um, I'm going to have a little caveat here about Josh George's. His numbers were propped up by P.K. Subban. When he was away from P.K. Subban, he was not very good at all. When P.K. Subban was away from him, he did a lot better. They were going to trade Cody Franson for him. They just made a downgrade trading Gunnarsson for Pollock. And they were going to do it again. That's why I wanted them to sign Bowling. They're the gift that keeps giving. And that's the thing that I find funny is that they keep going through different general managers, but they keep making the same mistakes. They're run by that corporate nonsense, MLSE. How can you get anything done? All the jokes about the Penguins having 200 assistant general managers, but at least they're kind of hockey people. You just got suits up and MLSE just, <laughs> it's a gong show. Interfering. 
business people making sports decisions. I have to admit, that was, that was one of my concerns with the way the Penguins look to be running. It's like the businessmen were wanting to have a say on the hockey decisions, but it feels as though they've kept out. They've let the conglomerate of general managers that they've got there do it, which is why they look like they've come out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've covered all the winners and losers, haven't we? We've made claims on them and who they are. We'll uh, we'll find out. They're out theory. We shall find out. So that's about it. Yes. There's always there's always surprise. There's always surprises when you get there at the start of the year and players do better than you thought and players do worse than you thought and all of a sudden it's like, geez, those contracts are terrible. Yeah. Kuhlman, Reimer, Grabowski. <laughs> There's still a couple floating around to be signed yet, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next week. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and these are not the final rosters. They don't play till October, so teams can go 10% over the salary cap. Um, by God, I forgot to mention one of my things I've been looking for. I've been looking forward to today that didn't happen. I was looking for the Taves Kane extensions. Yeah. They didn't happen. Oh, yeah, they didn't happen. I think that's the most it's fascinating thing of the entire offseason. They will set the bar for the new CBA superstar contract. They're asking for 12. I don't think they'll get 12, but I'm not ruling that out. They ain't going lower than 10. And nor should they. And that suddenly makes their caps. They're already over the cap with the move of Marty Havlat anyway. Right now? So they've got to move, yeah, they've got to move people. They've only got 1.3 mil left. So, so but but th- that contract doesn't go into effect this next year. It's the year after. They're just doing their extension no, like yeah. Malkin did a year early. It's what the earliest you can do it. But they're going to make 10 mil plus, and oh. the Blackhawks got a bridge deal. With Taves and Kane at 6.3, and the Penguins did not get a bridge deal with Crosby and Malkin at 8.7. Crosby and Malkin were, were so damn good, you couldn't give them a bridge deal. <laughs> They're winning MVPs and scoring titles. No, never. Taves and Kane are awesome, those, but they weren't. Those bridge deals. Those bridge deals of. of... The Taves and Kane have put Chicago in a situation where you get there and go, you know what? If we'd paid them deals like Crosby and Malkin back when they were due up rather than the bridge deal, we wouldn't be paying them as much moving forward. So it's the pros and cons of, of whacking in a bridge deal. You, you want to put a bridge deal in place if you're if you general can. manager just in case they go backwards. Unless your guys yeah. are winning. And inside the, just the negative they've got at the moment. Yeah, correct. Unless you guys are winning tangible, high-end, giving speeches at award ceremonies, <laughs> which 
Crosby and Malkin were. Well, I mean, how, how do you? Well, Blackhawks won Stanley Cups, but it's easier in these negotiations. Yeah, I'm kind of the Art Ross Trophy champion again. I have a Hart Trophy, so yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Taves, for as great as he is, he can't. He didn't have that. Kane doesn't have the Art Ross and the MVP yet. I think he's certainly a candidate in the future to be that kind of guy. Um, he's been terrific. He's yeah, exceeded all my expectations. This is the hard thing for me. This is this is the hard thing for me with Taze is that you know you get more value from him than you get statistically. It's just it's just how it is. No, he gives you great statistical you value. You're talking points though. But yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like you get there and, and the whole grit and leadership thing. Like for me, it's palpable with that with that player. How is how as agent do you get that to go in there when you know if your team is actually using the advanced stats and stuff you can just debunk almost anything he says whereas like here are the contracts that are comparable to what you what you supply us that's what we're going to go against i think that'll change in the future but yes you're right that's how they do it now so that's all no i just thought that was interesting i thought for sure that they would both be signed today with their uh, 10.5, $11 million contracts or whatever. And it's not the case. So maybe we're squeaking more towards 12. We'll find out. I think it's, it's going to set everything in place for the Blackhawks moving forward. I, I think they're a very bright team. I think they'll always be very good, but I think you'll see them kind of go through some of the pains the Penguins have. A few bad signings here and there. You're not a favorite anymore, even though on paper you may be. So it doesn't it doesn't take much to screw you around, does it? No, it's tough. That's why you gotta get such good value on your signings, and that's why, for many of the signings today, we're, we're not bashing the player as much as we are the value, because in the the bigger scope of things, everything has to make sense with value if you're gonna piece together a Stanley Cup champion, at least in my opinion. So. No, that's the thing I, I, I agree with, with how that works. It'll be um it's 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 been a fun twenty four hours, if you know what I mean, all the speculation building up to it. I think that I think that um, negotiating window prior um, was really good because everything happened relatively quickly once it got over to the free agent period. So it was it's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty exciting day. We'll see some more moves moving forward, but today was a pretty great day. Um, it's always one of my more favorite days. So, very good. Um, I don't think there's anything else we need to, to cover off on it. No. Nope. Really, is there? Well, I suppose that will do it. Um, you can find my work at HockeyBuzz.com uh, for my Penguin stuff. And I just want to... Thank all my new followers on Twitter, and I see some new people in the message boards. Um, thank you for checking out the site. Thank you for checking me out on Twitter. Uh, stick around. I'll be having work all summer long. Um, so just happy to to see new faces. Come, come check out the work during free agency period, but uh, stick around because we, we do this year long. So... Um, so don't bail. <laughs> yeah, don't bail. 
you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Gunner Stahl. Uh, Cameron? Uh, I'm uh, Walshy66, um, and I've also got um, some online training that you can utilize if you want to get some expert advice on your training at the gym on your own or outdoors and stuff like that. I can certainly um, uh, do some reviews and stuff for you, get all that worked out, and then uh, program you out some, some training. Very good. Well, we, um, we'll see you next time. Catch you guys.